the five reviews left by a gentleman named Jack T in central Los Angeles. And I'm going to go ahead and read you the first one right now, if that's okay. Go for it. Which is for United Airlines. It's a one-star Yelp review for United Airlines. All cut to the chase. Jesus, what a horrible restaurant. Do not eat here. I don't even know where to begin. The reservations are so expensive. You cannot make them on open table. You just have to make them through a specific website. They were hundreds of dollars just for the reservation, not even for the food. My girlfriend, Tracy, and I got there right at our assigned time, and they acted like we were crazy. They had to open the door back up and let us in. The seats are so cramped, and again, what's with this trend of having all seats in restaurants face the same way? Very hard to socialize that way. Food was extremely mediocre. Some nuts for appetizers were nice, but the cheese plate was super lacking, and the silverware was all plastic. Service took literally six hours, and by the end, we're in Cleveland. I did not sign up for that. One star. <laughs> like, this is brilliant. And, I mean, they do serve food. He does give one star to St. Charles Borromeo Catholic Church. Say that the stained glass was a nice touch. The seats all face the same direction. They're super hard and uncomfortable. And he had to wait in line to get just one cracker from one waiter, and they call it the body of Christ. He hates fancy foods that are far too small with weird names. Just call it a cracker. Come on. And you know what, my dude? <laughs> You're not wrong, Jack. You're not wrong. Not a good restaurant one star. He's not wrong. I found this Wikipedia article, and I don't remember how I found it at this point. I find a lot of Wikipedia articles. That's just how I roll. But I saw the picture first for this, and I didn't believe that it was a real thing that really existed. But Wikipedia tells me that it does and that it's been around for years and years. And that is the Heart Attack Grill. Have you ever heard of the Heart Attack Grill? I'm going to tell you from the top when you laugh at any of these jokes that the Wikipedia table of contents does have a section labeled deaths. Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) So the Heart Attack Grill is an American hamburger restaurant in downtown Las Vegas, Nevada. Of course. (laughs) Of course, of course. It makes a point of serving as unhealthy food as possible. That is, food which would cause a heart attack, in which case, the meal is free. The establishment is a hospital restaurant. Waitresses called (laughs) Wait. Wait, you can't just you can't just gloss over that. You can't just you can't just say the craziest thing that I've ever heard. I and here's the deal, right? Is wouldn't that be true at any restaurant? Like, I've never thought about it, but if you have a heart attack in the middle of your meal, are you going to get chased down with that bill? (laughs) I shouldn't have taken a drink when you said that. (laughs) Well, I don't know, man. I would hope that you don't get charged for that meal if you almost die. Yeah. Honestly, if there's anywhere that I think you should pay for the meal, it's at the heart attack grill. It's almost like you've signed a waiver that, yeah, that might happen to me in here. So, yeah. It's a food challenge in and of itself. (laughs) Yeah, grab the debit card out of my pocket, my friend, as I'm rolled out of here. Okay, the establishment is a hospital-themed restaurant, which has its own Wikipedia page. No, 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 no. It doesn't. It doesn't. It was just all one link together. Oh, okay. Wikipedia helpfully links you to hospital and theme restaurant, but not hospital theme (laughs) restaurant. Waitresses, called nurses, take orders, called prescriptions, from the customer's called patients. I love that. Each patient dons a hospital gown and wristband, (gasps) which that's like kind of morbid to me. I mean, I I guess if you've entered into a place called the Heart Attack Grill, the whole thing is morbid. Drew, can we go there? 
Yeah, we have to. Uh, and a wristband before ordering, and those who did not finish their meal receive a paddling by one of the nurses with the option to buy the tainted paddle afterwards. <laughs> oh, that's weird. <laughs> I take it back. I don't know if I want to go to this place. <laughs> I mean, again, here we have a little bit of a dilemma because that's part of your hospital theme is being paddled by the nurse? <laughs> like, ah, oh, yeah. Yeah, you gave me the prescription, and you made me wear a wristband, and just like every time I've been to a hospital, I had to get paddled while I'm wearing a hospital gown. Like, And do you have to change out of your clothes? I mean, that's standard, man. That's standard at a hospital. You get paddled. You change into the hospital gown, you get weighed, and then you get paddled every time. Blood pressure, weighed, paddled. And not every hospital, it's not always covered under your insurance. No, so yeah. You know, so something to- <laughs> I actually hate it when they charge me the full price for the paddling because you uh, know that they just yeah. mark that up like crazy. Yeah, luckily my current insurance, the copay is really cheap. <laughs> that's, that's good. That's really good. <laughs> the menu includes single, double, triple, quadruple, all the way up to octuple bypass hamburgers, ranging from 8 to 32 ounces of beef, up to 8,000 calories. Oh my gosh, 8,000? They also have all-you-can-eat flatliner fries, which are cooked in pure lard. Oh my gosh. And then, and then here's the, the kicker and what I saw in the, the big, beautiful neon sign that the Heart Attack Grill helpfully provides. Customers over 350 pounds in weight eat for free if they weigh in with the nurse waitress before eating. So that's your other way. That's your other way of getting a free meal. You don't just have to have a heart attack. You can also be 350 pounds or larger to get that quadruple bypass hamburger. So a couple couple things. How is this place legal? Right. Can you look over to the right um, and it says the owner uh-huh. of this restaurant uh-huh. is a company called <laughs> Diet, Diet Center LLC. <laughs> Why? Why is it called that? Because it's perfect, because it's ironic, because it had to be called that. If you scroll down a bit, you can see the quadruple bypass burger. And I'm not going to lie to you, it looks disgusting. And not in like a, oh, so good disgusting, or like, wow, so big disgusting. But just like, that just looks like a bad burger. Disgusting. Yeah, that's not good food photography. No, it's bad. It just looks like the worst diner's hamburger that they just added multiple patties onto and called it good. No, that looks like... That looks like worse than a crappy diner. That looks like Sam's Club frozen burgers that your mom bought. Exactly. Because they were cheap. That looks, doesn't look good at all. Now, I don't remember where I saw this, and I can't find it on the Wikipedia page right now, but I did hear that if you ask for a vegetarian or vegan option, they do hand you a pack of cigarettes, which (laughs) I kind of like. Wow. Now, the death section is kind of sad because it's, there's, there's not a lot of It starts off with such a bummer. There's there's not a whole lot of jokes in here. It just is people dying, mostly not in the restaurant, but the spokespeople. And then somebody did indeed have a heart attack while they were eating at the restaurant. And the thing that's bad about this, and I'm I'm not going to make a joke about it because it really sucks, is that the patrons thought it was a stunt and started taking photos, <gasps> which is... No! <laughs> no! It's not okay. And that's... Very bad. And that's all I have to say about that. But the restaurant itself is great. Well, no, the restaurant itself is terrible. The restaurant but is this Wikipedia article is incredible. And I did just also read that the milkshakes contain pats of butter on top. Oh, man. So that's the Heart Attack Grill. Another place to visit for BDYST. So this is an article 
from uh, New York Magazine. And it is about the worst roommate ever. (laughs) Okay, so the article starts. Alex Miller's spare room had been on Craigslist for two weeks when last March she got a call she'd been waiting for. The man at the other end identified himself as Jed Creek, which really interesting name off top. Yeah, that's a great name. Uh, Creek was a lawyer from New York, but he had grown up just outside Philadelphia, only a few minutes drive from Miller's apartment in the city's well-to-do neighborhood of Chestnut Hill. Creek explained that he needed a place to stay while he tended to family matters. Mm -hmm. His mother was old and frail, and his brother was suffering from complications with hepatitis C, and he'd been looking for a place without much luck. I find Philadelphians to be very difficult, he said. A lot of flaky people. I'm not flaky, Miller, then 31, assured him. So you're off to a good start. Okay. Creek was tall, slim, and handsome, with hair as black as squid's ink. When he came to visit the apartment, he brought his dog, a 13-year-old Border Collie mix named Zachary. I dislike it when people name their dogs and cats, like human like a, names. Like a normal name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, no. Don't don't try to... It's, it's a dog. It's particularly problematic when you meet somebody who has that name, and then you have to bring them over to your house and like... Yeah. Uh-oh. We got a, we got a multiple name situation going on here, and one of them isn't even human. That's a, that is a problem. To Miller, Creek's arrival felt like a godsend. She was dealing with the sudden departure of a roommate, a looming lease renewal, a bank account kept precariously afloat by part-time work at a juice bar, and at a nearby law firm filing paperwork. Here was a courtly gentleman, Miller thought, as she walked Creek through her cluttered apartment, an experienced lawyer who lived in Europe and the Middle East. At the end of the tour, they settled on her couch and fell into deeper conversation. Creek shared his interest in Buddhist meditation. Miller told him about recent romantic troubles, and Creek offered advice. The sky outside was turning dusky blue when Creek said, I like the place. I like you. If you like me, I could just do this now. Move in, he meant. Coming in hot. For real. Like, literally, first meeting, already, yeah, let's do this. His abruptness surprised Miller, but Creek said he could pay her on the spot. He pulled a check from his pocket and made it out for $800. Miller noticed that the upper left corner of the check was blank. First flag. <laughs> and in the space where his name and address could have should have appeared, Creek wrote, 219 East Willow Grove Ave. Her own address now made his. Second flag. Yep. He did not write his name. Third flag. flag. <laughs> he signed the che- <laughs> he signed the check. <laughs> he signed the check in a messy scrawl, the only discernible letter, an enormous looping J. Then he and Zachary hailed an Uber with a promise to return that evening. Miller asked if he needed any furniture. No, Creek said. I have everything I need. You know, I've never had an opinion on dogs having human names, but I did totally space on who Zachary was, and I thought I was a human for a minute, and now I'm with you. You can't name a dog after a human. Especially Zachary. Zachary is such a human name. Is there a human name that's good for a dog? Something mm. short, like a Max. Mm, Max. Yeah, that's. I think. I think that's it. It's just Max. Everything Creek needed, Miller saw when he returned. Fit inside six Rubbermaid bins and a cat carrier. Oh wait, what? Fourth flag. Yeah. It turned out that along with Zachary, he had a desperately shy tabby named Abigail. So I, while I dislike Zachary, Abigail, it's old lady enough that you can get away. That, then you just call the cat Abby. That is true. You can give a cat a name that is an old lady name because there's no mistaking. There, you're not going to meet an Abigail. You're not going to meet an Anastasia. He brought no mattress for a bed. Another flag. He dropped a heap of <laughs> he dropped a heap of comforters on the bedroom floor. The flag. That's a double flag. It struck Miller that someone who slept like this 
might not have much in way of a proper bank account. You think? But the following afternoon, she deposited his rent check, and it cleared. Interesting. The two quickly fell into a comfortable routine. Creek rose early in the morning and took the dog for a run. He tended carefully to his pets. He spoke to Zachary exclusively in Dutch. What? (laughs) I do that with my dog. (laughs) Which he said he learned while living in the Netherlands in the 1980s. Really specific, my dude. He fed the animals well. For Zachary, brand name Kibble. For Abigail, a mix of dry food and organic chicken. Lame. Which he diced with a serrated silver knife. Another flag. They spent the nights together on the couch, drinking wine and watching the Rachel Maddow show. That's not... Is that the normal way to... Okay, fine. You you do you, lady. I mean, people are just more open. I don't know. Yeah, I, I wouldn't do that either. I also would not move in with someone I don't know. But, you know, people be... People be reckless. Uh, one evening, an old hookup overstayed his welcome. Refusing to leave despite Miller's request, Creek barged into the room and said, Buddy, I'm living here too. She asked you to go. I'm asking you to go. I'll ask you one more time or I'll remove you myself. The guy left. So, I mean, you know, from the outside, we're like, uh, this guy's creepy. And because we're reading an article. But, you know, I could see that she's just like, man, he's being so helpful. He, he carries on great conversation. He's sweet. You know, he's check cleared. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Then on April 5th, their 11th day of living together. Oof, 11th day. Well, that's a lot to, I didn't, I didn't catch that the first time I read it. All that happened in 11 days. That's a lot. Miller showed Creek the utility bills and asked for his half, $140.80. Creek refused. The bills, he noted, covered a period before he'd moved in. When Miller pressed him, he texted, we can handle this in court if you would prefer. Wait, what? what <laughs> at, first, the escala- <laughs> at first, the escalation in tone jarred Miller because normal people don't talk like that. Looking at the dates, however, she second-guessed herself. Maybe Creek was right. I don't know, man. Someone text me like, we can see this in court. Be like, uh, no, you can leave. Get out of my house, my dude. It's only been 11 days. I don't love you that much. Then strange things began to happen. One evening, Miller came home to find the living room lights wouldn't turn on. Creek had taken the bulbs and screwed them into his lamps in his bedroom. A few days later, <laughs> what? the six chair, yeah. Uh, a few days later, the six chairs at the kitchen table disappeared. Miller knocked on Creek's door, and when he opened it, she saw he'd fashioned them into a desk. Who amongst us has not done that? <laughs> I have used the chairs at desk. Miller had assumed Creek spent his days in court, but neighbors said they saw him loitering on the property throughout the afternoon. He began sprinkling his speeches with legalese. When they argued, he accused her of breaking the covenant of quiet enjoyment. What? A technical phrase Miller recognized from her days working at the real est- for, a, uh, for a real estate agent. When he found a cigarette butt in the toilet bowl one afternoon, he told her flatly that he would not be paying the next month's rent. As a paralegal, in quotes, you should know about the warranty of habilitation. Habil- uh, Habit. Habit. How do you say that? Habitability. That one. Whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever. You should know about warrants and stuff. Warranties and stuff. Uh, Hearing about Creek's behavior, Alex's mother asked her daughter for his phone number and then plugged it into Google. Google is like the best thing ever. You just can find all the creeps. She found two articles and didn't finish reading them before picking up the phone and calling her daughter. Alex, we have a big problem. Jed Creek is not who he says he is. Dun, dun, dun. Creek's legal name was Jameson Bachman. Oh, man. Jed Creek isn't his real name. Jed Creek is better. 
I like that one. In 2012, Bachman had shown up at the home of a woman across town named Melissa Frost, claiming to be a New Yorker whose home had been destroyed in Hurricane Sandy. Overcome with pity, Frost let him in and nearly lost her home. In an expensive and frightening ordeal that dragged on for months, Bachman slowly laid claim to the space, using his intricate knowledge of tenancy laws to stay one hep step ahead of her. He scuffed up the floors, kicked down the doors, and clogged the toilets with cat litter. He went from being this cordial, polite person who understand he was a guest in my house to someone who was approaching me aggressively and flat out saying, this is my house now. What the heck? <laughs> it gets so much better. Weird. So yeah, this guy is the worst. And mm-hmm. it like literally just continues to go like every, every, every time that one of these roommates would do something, I don't know, weird or off. He'd be like, oh, I can see you for that. Oh, I would do this for that. I would, you know, he, he just was super smart. He had studied abroad and he had like just a, he was, he knew enough to be dangerous. This is kind of similar to the Olympic story, but with a much darker turn. Absolutely. But it's like, I didn't know that I could, I didn't know I could do that. I didn't know that I could go into a, I could become a roommate for someone and just kind of slowly and creepily take over their house. I didn't know that was an option. And (laughs) this is less fun than the Olympics one. I think I don't want to do this. Yeah, it's so much darker. I don't like that. And I'm sad. <laughs> and this is a cautionary tale, I think, about why you should never, ever have a roommate. Yeah. I want a little a little area of the podcast to myself. Can I have that? I want to have a weird holiday corner. <laughs> I, I think I literally just Googled holidays, and it told me about bathtub party day, national cotton candy day, and something called take it in the ear day, which... <laughs> <laughs> what? What is that? So this is what I'm talking about. Is these these are the holidays that aren't going to get mentioned at your local high school announcement because they're uh, they're just kind of strange. So March 9th, you want to hear what the holiday is? Let's see what it is. It's Panic Day. Wait, what? <laughs> Explain to me what Panic Day is. It is a day that is for panicking. Wait, for real? It's just self-explanatory? Yeah. Wait, why would you want to panic? Panicking is not... <laughs> as a person who suffers from panic attacks, uh, I don't want to do that. I don't want to have a whole day of celebrating that. Panic day is the one day of the year that it is okay to give into the emotion of panic that we all try to keep in check. It is okay to feel overwhelmed or upset. It does not mean that you're weak or inept, says this weird holiday website. So mark your calendar and hang on tight until you get to panic day, which seems kind of limiting. To only be able to feel that emotion once out of uh, 365 days, but I hate that. That's uh, that's a holiday. What do you think? <sighs> that's not a good holiday. Like I can forgive National French Fry Day. I can forgive, you know, Walk Like a Duck Day. Yeah. But Panic Day. That doesn't even sound like something I want to celebrate. This website gives a, a few hel- helpful ways to integrate it into your day, and I'll, I'll go ahead and just read that aloud to you. It says. You could stun your coworkers and friends by giving into that stress right in the middle of the day and shouting and dancing around. Add a few comments like, it's too much, or don't make me do it anymore, for a dramatic flair. <laughs> <laughs> That's not really a celebratory action. That's more of a action that somebody in a very dark place would take, the actions of a depraved person. And the fact that it's become a holiday is... uh something this just in there is already an international panic day on june 18th that's what i was going to bring up as well is that there's two of these days 
So this is the one for the good old United States of America. But there is an International Panic Day as well to celebrate in a couple of months. So it's it seems kind of unfair. I feel like they should have been six months apart. We only have a couple of months in between. But I mean, I guess that's just what you what you need to hold on to for when you feel that panicky feeling. Why not consolidate it though? No, no, no. That's insane. That's crazy. You're, <laughs> that's you're trying to take away a panic day, and that's un, that's rude. I do not appreciate that. I'll bring this corner back on the next recording. But for all of you listening, if you listen exactly as soon as we release this, this is your opportunity to panic. Are you going to participate? Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. See, in my schedule, I have uh, 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. morning pages, uh, 8 to 8.30 coffee. And then 9 a.m. to midnight, just sheer panic. And that's it. Uh, I just found this. And this is, I don't have a whole lot to say about it, but I needed your design take on this very good copyright claim. Copyright 2018 United Parcel Service of America, UPS, the UPS brandmark, and the color brown are trademarks of the United Parcel Service of America, Inc., all rights reserved. <laughs> Yeah. The color brown? Well, I mean, think. It's in their tagline. What can brown do for you? Can you do that? The color brown? Can you trademark a color? Copyright a color? That's that's corporate's, like, jam, my dude. <laughs> that is their sweet... That's not ruthless <laughs> enough, huh? Okay, fine. That's tame. That's tame, my dude. <laughs> that's their sweet spot. Just like, hey, does anyone claim this? No? Yeah, let's claim... <laughs> Let's claim air. Yeah, sir, I don't know if we can claim that because everyone... Let's claim air! <laughs> well, since you didn't give me the reaction that I wanted to that, I'm going to send you one more thing, yeah, which no is <laughs> slightly... It's, it's in the same vein, and it's slightly serious, but I also think it's kind of funny. And I don't really want to talk about the entire article, but this this guy who I follow named Koi Vin, he is a, a employee of Adobe. Yeah, I follow him. He posted a while ago about the fact that the American Airlines, well, that that American Airlines has been trying to register its logo with the copyright office, and the copyright office has rejected it, saying a mere simplistic arrangement of non-protectable elements does not demonstrate the level of creativity necessary to warrant protection. So they said, "Eh, your logo's too simple, chumps." We're not going to give this copyright. And I thought that's pretty interesting. Wait, what? Yeah, isn't that kind of kind of fascinating? It is simple, but it is not the most simple thing I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Wait, what? So the important distinction here that this guy didn't really understand when he first wrote this is there's a huge difference between copyright and trademarked. So they got the thing trademarked. And that's what most things get. Gotcha. But they wanted to copyright it, you know? Which I think copyright is kind of saying... This is mine. Like, no one can ever utilize this, right? Yes, but, like, I don't know. This seems worthy of co- uh, copyright. Like, th- this this seems like it should get approved. It's different enough. It's distinct enough. When I see it, I'm like, oh, that's American Airlines. Yeah, and the interesting thing that this guy brought up was, hey, that's not really, like, a legal decision. That's a design decision that you just made. And that's kind of weird, huh? Like, is there a designer on the team that said, like, hmm, as a designer, my perspective is blank? Or was it just this weird, like, decision that these legal people had to make about design on the fly? I bet you 
that it's just some, you know, random employee, not a designer. Because that's how life works, Drew. Um, a lot of times, the ratings for movies are not determined by, you know, like directors or producers or, you know, peers. It's, it's, it's decided by a group of moms that they polled after viewing a certain movie. Yes. So, yeah, of course. No, I, I totally, ah, man, that upsets me. And maybe it's a good thing, right? Maybe that pisses me off. Maybe it's good for copyright offices to be to to not hand out copyrights left and right. Like I don't know if it would be a bad thing if American Airlines got the copyright. Like I could see that being not an awesome thing for a big brand to have. But regardless, I just thought that was pretty funny that they said a mere arrangement of elements does not demonstrate the level of creativity necessary to warrant protection. Like, uh, come back with something more unique and we'll give you copyright. And I was like, dang, copyright office. I guess you're not down with minimal design. Yeah, so what do they do for, like, Apple? Or, you know, what do they do for... I'm trying to think of another... Uh, or, like, Pepsi or something. Like, there's there's tons of Simps logos out there and branding. I, also, I don't like that it's up to them. I feel like they should be more I, I lean more towards them being robotic like yep this you know uh, compilation of pixels and colors this is a copyright cool they can't be this way nope that's not what you get i almost wish that they would require like math to accompany the mark hmm. okay so the wingspan is actually two-thirds the length of x and the a's are the you know so then it's like uh, black and white you can prove hey they stole my logo actually their ratio is two-thirds your ratio is one-fourth so no they didn't steal your logo that's interesting yeah if it's just opinion then we're all screwed because you're everyone's gonna get some dumb judge that i don't get brand design guilty you know <laughs> exactly that exactly that disney has begun populating its parks with autonomous, personality-driven robots. Ooh, I like that. But also, ooh, they're coming for us. Yeah, they are coming for us, but there's nothing we can do about it. So just enjoy it while we enjoy it while they don't have uh, emotions or, you know, a desire to take over the world. Yeah, yeah. The process of making a Disney park feel alive is most easily encapsulated in the animatronic figures. These hydraulic, pneumatic, and now uh, electric figures have been a fixture at Disney. I love how hydraulic and pneumatic didn't stop me up, but electric stopped me. (laughs) That was the one. (sighs) I was like, you got it, you got it, you landed poorly. Okay. I've been a fixture at Disneyland since the 60s. Since then, massive advancements have been made in control systems, movement architecture, and programming. The most advanced animatronic figures, like the Navi, Shaman, and Disney World's Navi River Journey, are plain and simply robots, and very sophisticated ones at that. But not every animatronic in the park can be a simple pneumatic connected to a bulky master system, or highly advanced and complex robotic masterwork. That's where the Vilu come in. Yeah, that's the name of these these weird little robots. Yeah. Oh, that that's the actual name of the creatures. Yeah. So, basically. They created this small-looking little alien in what they say is a self-contained pod that makes them totally autonomous. So they can interact with guests. They make little noises. They're basically little robots running their own little program. Oh, interesting. That they're kind of like the NPC of Disney World. You know, they're just doing their own thing while you while you hang out. Do they have sensors, like, in their eyes or whatever that can, like, 
see when I, certain guests are walking up or interacting with them? They're in this weird little kind of bird cagey kind of thing. And yeah, you know, they're like looking back at the people that are interacting with them and kind of making weird little faces and doing their own thing. And so instead of it just being on a program, you know, it's trying to actually respond to the faces that people are making and that kind of thing. Pretty interesting. Oh, man, I really hope that they use this technology, which I'm sure they will, on the Star Wars land, like on droids. Because, you know, you can very clearly tell that these creatures are fake. But on a robot, mm-hmm. dressing it up as a robot, it's a robot, you know? <laughs> a robot's supposed to be a robot. So when you see a robot and it acts like a robot, success. When you see an animal and it acts like a robot, not entire success. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, it's it's a cool idea. I think that one of the big things that it's the article is trying to make a distinction over is the fact that for a long time, even if you see some really cool looking robots or animatronics in the park, you're seeing like a body, but there's a whole lot of stuff that's going on beyond the body of the Buzz Lightyear or the Abraham Lincoln. And in this case... The, the robot is the robot, and they're, they're really small. I think that they're, the three of them are like sitting on a log, and that log has also got some electronics in it. But they're getting to the point where they can build all of this into a little tiny modular setup and then put it anywhere. And so, yeah, you're totally right. You know, like that could be really cool if you gave that um, technology to a BB-88, BB-8. BB-8. Or some kind of weird Star Wars droid. Yeah, you totally could do an R2-D2, you know, and it, like, has snacks or drinks on it and it's driving around. Yeah, that's, oh, man, that's really exciting. Oh, my gosh, you know what would be even crazier? Um, remember how we were talking about, um, like, how immersive the Star Wars land is going to be? And it's very much like Westworld that, you know, it just pretends right. that you're part of the storyline. It would be awesome if you're going around, you see these, you know, R2, uh, R2-D2 type droids, whatever. And depending, you know, what kind of package you've paid for or whatever, when you go up to the droid, you can have, like, a ring or a coin or something that you put into the droid. And it'll give you, like, a certain task or, you know, pop out something. And let's say, um, like I told you jokingly, I want to go for my bachelor party to Disney and, you know, just pretend that I'm a, a spice smuggler. How awesome would it be? Like, we've already prepaid, you know, Disney for this special all-inclusive excursion. Right. And when I put my coin in, it, like, pops out a lightsaber. Exactly. And it only is, like, oh, my gosh, I can't wait for Star Wars. There's something very different from interacting with a thing in the world and interacting with, like, a thing at a kiosk. And that's kind of the cool thing about this new Disney technology is... I feel like there's been a few interactive elements in Disney World and Universal Studios, but it's always felt very much like it is a ride in a weird way. But when you give it its own trajectory and you let it go wherever it wants, you bring it into the world in a way in a way that stuff isn't currently. So I think it's really cool. Yeah, I can't wait to see the further characters and the further, you know, animatronics that they're gonna create. Gosh, that's awesome. The last interesting part about this is that this was a thing that animatronics engineers designed for the park, and then they thought about using it in Guardians for the Galaxy, and then they showed it to James Gunn, the director of Guardians for the Galaxy, and then he included them in the movie. And now they're in the park based on the character in the movie, based on the character that they created for Disney World. So 
kind of a funny way of going about it. Life's just cyclical, man. <laughs> yeah, dude. Things just come. What comes around goes around. You know. You said it, Justin Timberlake. That's right. So, bro, did you see this? So often, do they think of prosthetics as replacing or you know fixing a body part? But this is a prosthetic that adds. So you don't have to have like a disability. You could just be a you know regular person. And it is a. It's called the third thumb. Huh. That's pretty cool. Yeah, and it's a thumb. It's like a little like, like slip glove thing that you put on your hand, and it's literally just on the empty side of your hand. And it's a thumb, and it, it's it's a 3D printed, and it has this watch with like the motors. And the controllers are in your feet, huh. like on your shoes. So depending on how you press, like with your big toes, you can manipulate the thumb. Whoa, man. Watching people move the thumb on the wrong side of the hand is freaking me out. It looks pretty real. In the video, she's showing like someone holding the thumb yeah. and flicking through, uh, what's it called? Like on an iPad or holding like cards, playing cards. And a guy was like playing guitar with the the third thumb. It's trippy. That's really cool. Right? I, I kind of want one. <laughs> Man, playing guitar with it is pretty neat. But yeah, she's saying she like, she just held her hands on top of each other and extended her thumbs. And she was like, oh, that mirroring of my thumb is very interesting. And then she just got the idea to make an extra thumb. One of the clips is of her holding a egg between her index finger and thumb and another egg between her pinky finger and third thumb and that's just that's hubris man that's i don't know why you think you need to be carrying two eggs at the same time to crack them but no 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 no. stop that i mean this is this is very neat it's like the the kind of fun conversations i always enjoy about the way that technology is going to change us and that's a neat idea of having a prosthetic that's actually able to enhance whatever you do if you have a job or a skill or an art that would work better if you had an additional digit like this. And I could totally see that being true for musicians and all kinds of workers. And that's a really, really cool idea that I had never really considered before. And yeah, and honestly, I feel like this could be applied to replace a regular thumb. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. But it's neat to know that it doesn't have to. Yeah, of course. And um, apparently she said her next project is working on a third arm. Heck yeah. <laughs> yeah. I could see the way that you would get pretty accustomed to doing something with your foot to trigger it too. Like it doesn't, that I don't think that would feel all that unnatural. Yeah. Cause at first I was like, when I first saw the video, I was curious, oh, so how are you manipulating this? Is this like your brain? Is this just like uh, muscles and tendons on that side of the hand? Right. And you know, oh, your feet. Oh, well, you're not carrying stuff with your feet. Oh. So, yeah, I really, I really dug that. Okay, so, bro, on Twitter I saw that people were having a debate, a discussion over macaroni and cheese. Did you hear about this? No. Okay, so <clears throat> macaroni and cheese. Okay. That is a dish that, you know, we've been enjoying yeah, yeah. for years and years and years. Now, some people call it Mac. Okay. That's fine. It's an abbreviation. You're just shortening the word. But then someone said, actually, Mac is like the words, M-A-C is macaroni and cheese. It's like an acronym. 
or is it just short for the word macaroni? Was this a real debate? Yeah, it was a real debate. No, this isn't a real debate. <laughs> I just thought it was short for macaroni. Yeah. But I didn't even think about M-A-C, macaroni and cheese. But no one says that. I've never once heard anyone say, hey, did you get that M-A-C? They say Mac. No, everyone calls it Mac. Everyone calls it Mac. Yeah. But what it like means, that's mm. what they were debating. Deep, deep. No, this is... Well, what, no. what do you think it means? <laughs> no, there's, there, I don't think anything. I know there's no debate here. This is dumb and bad and wrong. Mac stands for <laughs> macaroni. <laughs> if Mac stood for macaroni and cheese, you would say sometimes M-A-C. Like, you know, this is um, like NASA. Ah, well, shoot, I just proved my own point, didn't I? Because I was about to say that sometimes you would say N-A-S-A, but Jesus, I would never say N-A-S-A. So, dang, dang, I just, I just fooled myself. Oh, man. <laughs> I just broke my own argument in a single sentence. Shoot. <laughs> For the Hollywood Half Marathon and 5K slash 10K, which I feel like shouldn't have a Yelp page to begin with, but here we are, right? One star, I'm really sorry to be so negative, but I really have to say that this is the worst restaurant ever. Do you think you've had bad service? You have not experienced bad service until you've had to run a half marathon to find waiters who will give you water or Gatorade. Be warned, there is no food at this restaurant, just waiters who stand still and hand you water or Gatorade. My girlfriend Tracy was so tired by the end, we had to go have a second dinner. Why become a waiter if you're going to make me come to you? Do not go to this restaurant. One star. <laughs> 